It's Monday, April 15th, 2019. I'm Jeremiah Simmerman, and this is episode 203 of the 5049 podcast. How you guys doing? Thanks for joining us for another conversation between myself and today, one of my favorite people around, bass player, composer, and just all-around great dude, Trevor Dunn. Let's have a listen. Trevor's the best, and today is a really good one. Today on the show, Trevor Dunn. Before we get into it, um, let's get it out of the way. If you're enjoying this show, please rate and review it in iTunes. And if you want to go one step further, consider becoming a Patreon daughter. What's Patreon, you ask? Uh, It's the way that podcasters are now uh, turning this medium into a listener-supported endeavor. Go to patreon.com slash 5049podcast and you become a monthly donor. Five bucks. Uh, As a thank you to those of you that do it, you get immediate access to the entire archive of the 5049 podcast, which at this point is well over 100 episodes. It means a lot to me if you would uh, consider doing that, but the archive is at this point, like I said, it's over 100 episodes and it's pretty great. And if you are tuning in to today's show uh, because you're a fan of Trevor Dunn and what he's up to, you're likely to find some conversations in there that I I think you would be pretty into. Conversations, uh, well, a conversation with Trevor from about five years ago. Conversations with Chess Smith, uh, with J.G. Thurwell, um, Trace Bruins, Mary Halverson, uh, a lot of the people who are in the orbit uh, of Trevor Dunn. All right, today on the show, Trevor Dunn. I'm guessing most of you uh, already know him and are familiar with him. Uh, As I said a second ago, he was actually on the podcast back in uh, 2014. 2014? 2015? Right before I ended it. He was one of the last episodes. And uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. And it's one of those episodes that over the years, many people have told me it's also one of their favorites. And as I said uh, on on that episode back then... You know, Trevor has been a very important guy in my in my musical life as a listener. You know, I think I'm very typical of a lot of people my age who found their way into various strains of, of 20th century music in that it all kind of started back at uh, Mr. Bungle for me when I was in high school. And I'm happy to say, and I hope this isn't disappointing to, to, to too many of you, we don't talk about Mr. Bungle at all today. Trevor is on the verge of releasing a lot of records. This Friday, he's got a record coming out on Zodic that is long overdue. It's a collection of of his chamber music. Most of it was written within the last 10 years. There's actually a piece on the record that he wrote when he was in college. But I, again, as a listener, as a, a fan of what Trevor does... I am so excited that this record is finally happening. And all of the music you'll hear on today's show is from that record. The album is called Nocturnes. It's coming out this Friday, April 19th on Zodic. That's why I'm putting this episode up today. And it is a major achievement for someone who's literally one of the best musicians around in New York. 
you know, this is normally the point in the show where uh, I, I give you some some biographical background information on who, who we're about to hear from. I think most of you kind of already know Trevor, and you know, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you probably have already heard our first conversation. Uh, and today's a really good one. Today is, you know, it, it, as much as I like, you know, hearing about people's, you know, their past, I like when we can do shows like this where it's really just two people kind of cutting up, which is what today is. And, you know, I I certainly enjoy participating in these ones. And Trevor, whether there's a mic in front of our face uh, or just like having drinks at a bar is one of my favorite people to talk to. And he's one of my favorite musicians around. I, I can't say enough nice things about Trevor. If you want to find out more about Trevor Dunn, go to trevordunn.net. I'm looking at the website right now. It looks like it might have might not have been updated in a while, but it's still a good resource for 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 your Trevor Dunn needs. Um, but go to Zodic. Go to Zodic.com and get a copy of this new record. It is well, well worth your time, money, and attention. Nocturnes, April 19th, this Friday. Zodic. Do it. And, uh, I, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I really, you know, like I said, I love talking to Trevor. All right. Hope you guys are doing well. Here's my conversation with Trevor Dunn. Man, I just saw the two documentaries on that. Holy fuck, yeah. Which one was better? I watched them at Buzz's house, actually. <laughs> the Hulu one is might be a little better because it's also it's kind of more fucked up. Like, he, they paid him to... Uh, the dude. like the, Yeah, what's his name? Like um, fucking douchebag. Yeah, 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 that dude. Um, I can't even remember his name. That's how fucking memorable he is. But he... <laughs> he was in a dream I had the other night. Really? <laughs> he, in the, in the Hulu one, they paid him to interview him so there's these sections where he's in this room you know by himself with a microphone and he's talking and he's clearly like half the time he's lying or nervous or but is he like like trying to defend himself or he's just like look here's what happened he yeah he's all he he's definitely trying to defend himself and say like a couple times he's like I, i'm not i can't comment on that i'm not gonna like legally that. he can't yeah yeah because oh man that's fucking so crazy i only saw the netflix one but it to me was just like a very clear representation of sort of like where New York is at, like where the world's at. It's just uh-huh. like I don't know what people do. Right, like I right. meet people with jobs, right, and they like, tell me, yeah, they tell me what they do, and I don't really know what it means. Yeah, and I don't think it means anything. I think it just means like defrauding people. Right. Well, yeah. Or I mean, it's funny. My niece, who's like thirty three now or something. Cheers. Cheers. Um, she's she's a techie in in the bay area and she makes a living doing that yeah she yeah. makes fucking more money fucking than fortune, anyone right. in my family ever has right um but like like trying to describe what her job is i you know i think she helps m- like make a website for a startup company um more like user-friendly or right. something like 
Man, I think I burned the roof of my mouth on that coffee <laughs> earlier today. I was like, ah, coffee. <laughs> but I mean, it, it makes it, it makes sense that like anything, like you know, uh, I'm sure there's some dude who builds like you know the fucking glue that attaches you know the nut on a base, right? You know what I mean? The and it's like, fan, yeah, which would mean nothing to most people. They'd right. be like, I don't right. understand what you do. Yeah, and I'm sure text like that too. Like I heard these. Tech bros like talking about shit at like beside me at a restaurant. Yeah, and you have no idea what I they're talking about. I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> it's like another language, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird, man. I but I mean then there's I mean, but he's just like that guy who's I mean, he's just a fucking hustler, man. He just That's like, all it is. He's he doesn't wanna it's weird because it's like he doesn't he wants to find an easy w- way to make a shit ton of money but but without doing the work, but it's still like he's going to prison. He's done I mean, what right. kind of work do you have to I mean, he's getting his ass kicked for and even that during that whole thing i mean he seemed completely stressed out of his mind what's the thing like you know you're on your phone all the time answering calls like fucking you know shifting the the narrative around so you're just going like moment to moment yeah it's got to be something pathological i was gonna say i mean he's like yeah it doesn't somebody in that in that documentary calls him like a sociopath or something or yeah and that i mean yeah he just can't help it or like, something. I don't know things like most things like I, I'm pretty dumb <laughs> but I feel like I feel like there's probably a principle somewhere like no matter what you do there's only like five things that people do you know what I mean like <laughs> right. like you provide a good or service uh-huh. or you know it, and ultimately even if you create this like this like industry based around like tech or like influence mm-hmm. and content and all those fucking like words that people use Ultimately, you're still only doing something like, and I think like with him, like yeah, he's just a hustler, a con man. Yeah, that's yeah. ultimately like his. Yeah, what his work is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> selling shit that doesn't even exist. It's so good. It's crazy. But also, I mean, I don't know. Did you feel bad for any of those people? No. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's a genius. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're on their plane. Like, oh my god, I can't. Believe-. They didn't actually. It was funny when they were when they first got there. They didn't seem that bummed out or something. They sent, well, it seemed like they kept expecting it to get better. Right, right. Like, oh, this is just like the holding area. Like, yeah. when we get over there, it'll be like DJs yeah. for all and everything. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like <laughs> idiot entitled rich kids. You know, I'm like you fucking deserve it. Yeah, dude. I don't know. So let's do a podcast about. <laughs> I mean, Netflix I was documentaries. Yeah, no, uh, I think I, me and Buzz were talking about, it, and he was like, he's like, yeah, but I, you know, I can't. His whole take was, I can't, he didn't feel right about, he didn't have that same attitude about those kids, basically, basically because they were being swindled, you know? Like, he, he felt bad for them. Yeah. I mean, he, I don't know or, if he felt bad for him, but he couldn't, like... Say what we just said. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... I mean, you get, they got ripped off, for sure. But, I don't know. It, it, I culture mean, is, it's, 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 you know, it's something, you know, I talk about a lot, but... We're at a place where, like, in my pocket right now, in my fucking iPhone, I have access to every piece of information right. known to man right. from the dawn of time. There's more technology in that than there was that put the man on the first man on the Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> we have this access, and, like, people know less than they ever knew. Yeah. Right. Like, right. I, I mean, you know, I... um. Well, man, I discovered so much in my youth listening to the radio, watching, yeah. you know, Night Flight or something, which I... I don't know if you ever checked that show out. That was kind of late early late 80s uh-huh. um, not the david sanborn thing no but but not far off it was more like videos and shit right but i mean i i'm actually i joined a 
I pay for Night Flight Plus, so I watch those episodes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on online now. Because Wait, you pay for it now? Yeah, it's like forty bucks a year or something, <laughs> and it's just like it's mostly. I mean, part of it's just nostalgia. I'm like, oh yeah, this episode. It's like episode night from 1984, original episode. Sometimes they even have the old commercials. But what's the music? It's like it's like 80s. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. There was like a punk show. There was um, you know 80s pop. They had there's like a metal segment. There's uh-huh. you know. And some of it's like, oh, the avant-garde or, you know. Really? Like, talking about Laurie Anderson made me think about that. Who it's, hosted it? Um, there was no, there was no like, VJ or anything. It was right. just, you know, there was a voice. There was a woman who did the voiceover and introduced stuff. And sometimes there were, sometimes there were actual shows. There was a show. It's funny. I always thought it was based in New York, but I guess it was L.A. called um, uh, New Wave Theater. Uh-huh. And it was this punk rock show. And it was a live show. And there was a guy who... Um, it was actual host for that, and he would show like all these, you know, bands like Fear and, you yeah. know, like the real shit, the real shit from yeah. the '80s, you know, and playing live and and um, yeah, you could see all that shit on still. And I mean, that's how I, I learned a lot of shit. Every, I that. mean, I think up, I'm sure there's some version of it now, but like, no matter what decade you're from, I mean, I used to like tape Headbanger VHS record yeah. Headbangers Ball, yeah, um, 120 minutes sometimes. Yep. Like, if I knew they were premiering a video yep. that I was excited about, yep. and I just like memorize it. Yeah, yeah. Just re- you know yeah. every detail. Like oh, here's the scene where the thing's gonna happen. Right. <laughs> but now it's just like, eh. and also everything is so. Um, no one, you know. I mean, we used to sit through videos like, oh, let's yeah. watch this video. Now it's like, oh, here's you know. I remember being in the. Um, well, maybe that's kind of rad though, because like. If I think about how many times I saw like Michael Jackson beat it video, mm-hmm. like in my the amount of time, like how many hours of your life spent. If watching. I could have that time back, like I would definitely <laughs> yeah. take it. Right, right. I have these um, tapes at my parents' house still that are. I'm slowly like, I'll, I'll go up there, I'll go visit them, and I'll go through this box of old tapes that I have, and a lot of them are just like metal shit from the eighties, yeah. you know, that I, you know, stuff that I taped off of records or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'll be like, oh man, I haven't heard this in 30 years, and I'll bring it home and listen to it, and and then be, some of it I'm like, God, I, how many hours I spend listening to this crap? This is horrible. <laughs> I mean, not all of it. Some of it's great, like sure. you know, like the first Dio record or something. I still love, but right, you know. <laughs> but when you when you listen back to that stuff, can you hear where like bits of musical information like have stepped into your? Yeah, I think I know why I liked it. You know, there was like you know there's a certain drama to it that i was always attracted to in, yeah. in music so um and you know it was fast and uh-huh. you know it had all the elements that of course slayer like nailed you know and, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so um um yeah but also at the same time like oh god the singer's out of tune and this is all <laughs> why do they this whole solo is like pointless and you know <laughs> but but i used to listen to it all the time but that's like charming now and like quaint that something would yeah. be out of tune or yeah, yeah or like you know behind the beat like i was i watched that fucking motley crew movie the dirt oh god have you seen it no i'm i don't i don't know if i want to <laughs> I, I mean i haven't read the, i think that i should read the book i read the book i'm yeah. sure the book is better but yeah. it you know inspired me to listen to some motley crew the other day uh-huh yeah, fucking terrible. Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like legitimate. Like, I hated them growing up just because uh-huh. it was like sleazy cock rock. Right. But like, I hate it also as a musician. Uh-huh. I didn't realize I hated it on that right. level. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I was kind of into the first record, but the their first record also. I mean, I haven't listened to it in years, so I don't know if I can really 
comment on this, but I feel like I heard a song from it recently, and and I thought, wow, this it has a like a weird sound to it, like a weird raw. Yeah, you know, it was probably they didn't have a ton of money, and yeah, yeah totally, it was probably recorded in a small studio. You know, and the they, first Metallica records are like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. That's what I liked about those records, you know, like, the first Metallica records. Yeah, yeah, those are. Yeah, know, I I've, I checked in with them recently, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hetfield's voice on that is kind of. And then also, there's so much reverb on everything. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? Someone was telling me. Oh, you know Aaron Bajakian plays in that band of Braxis, Chenier's Masada oh, group? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was playing guitar with Lou Reed uh-huh. in the couple years leading up to when ah, he died. Okay, right. Um, but going on tour, he wanted the band to learn some of the stuff from the Metallica record that he did. Oh, God. And Aaron was like, he's like, I had to learn James Hetfield's parts. And they're actually really intricate, amazing parts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'll just take his word for it. Right, right. But yeah, are they? I, I mean, I've never listened to that record. Right. Is that, he's talking about that in particular. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I remember, you know, uh, um, Master of Puppets being. I mean, I love that record, and that yeah. has some weird shit on it for sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's, I mean, whatever, we don't need to talk about Metallica, but right. <laughs> but I do believe that if he would leave that band, he has good music in him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, Lars Ulrich is the fucking worst. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, Buzz just saw them, what, did he see them? Yeah, he saw, um, he did this whole Chris Cornell tribute thing. Yeah. With uh, Soundgarden. Um in Seattle, and he saw Metallica play, and he said it was, it was, he's like, he couldn't believe how bad it was. Yeah. Like, he's like, Lars, that guy cannot play. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I was thinking about it as you came over here. Um, like, all the years of sideman work that you've been doing. Right. I feel like, I feel like as a, a side people, to be, uh, to be current, uh, <laughs> Side people, side people, yeah. Uh, Don't like yeah. probably side fluid are like <laughs> much better listeners than uh-huh. dudes that just are like live in their own worlds, writing uh-huh. their own songs. Uh huh. You know, interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Where I was in, I mean, I've often had this feeling before playing in bands where. As a bass player, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like the bass player often has is the one adjusting to shit that might be getting off, or you know, yeah. like, or is between two people, like between the piano player and the drummer, mm-hmm. and like if they're not together, who are you going to go with, you know? And like, right? It's it's difficult even as a bass player to like steer either one of them, you know, even just like socially. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if I've. Yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. I mean, um, and I, I mean, yeah, I often feel like I'm in the middle of shit. Yeah, socially and musically. Yeah. And it's like sometimes I just got to pick which one feels, which one I'm going to go with, you know, and and hope that the third one, you know, for example, like, finds it. But yeah. there, I mean, you know, people who play, you know, singers, guitar players, piano players, people who are like le- more like lead instruments, I think, have less of a less of um like like they're maybe maybe more stubborn to they're they're like no this is how it is i'm laying it down this is what's going on you know? yeah it's, the, it's their show yeah yeah but i think maybe like that's what the gig is uh-huh did you always want i mean did you want to be a side band growing up was that like i didn't think about it i mean i mean it's funny because i 
my older brother, uh, we've probably we probably talked about this uh-huh. before, but my older brother played guitar, and he got me into rock music. He got me into Kiss. I was super into Kiss, and for some reason, I want, decided I wanted to play bass. I have no idea why. I I think I think just because it wasn't guitar, because my brother already played guitar, I'd kind of noodle around on his guitar a mm-hmm. bit, you know. And then I remember my dad trying to talk me out. He's like, "No, maybe you want to play guitar because it's more like in the lead and up front, you know." And it's kind he, of was, a he was trying to encourage <laughs> me. That way. Way to push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "No, Dad, I want to play bass." I, I didn't really. I don't think I ever knew why. And I didn't really start listening to the bass in music until I'd taken a few lessons. Like, oh, this is bass, you know. Uh-huh. So there's some kind of weird natural inclination there. But and I also, you know, then at a certain point, I started checking out, you know, Jocko and Stanley Clark, who are like these lead bass players, yeah. you know. It was like and, the Van Halens of the bass. Yeah, and I was like, uh, you know, that's I'm going to be the greatest bass player in the world. That's my goal, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to go to Berkeley College of Music and then I'm going to, you, you know. You thought about it like specifically Berkeley? I did when I was in high school, I thought I got a, like an application, I thought about going and then I chickened out and because I'd never been away from home basically. And you couldn't bear the idea of being that far from California. Well, that, and also I just didn't have the confidence that I would, I mean, I didn't really have any, I mean, I had some theory, but not like no jazz at all. I mean, I right. probably would have got squashed immediately, but if I would have gone directly from high school for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I just stayed and went to my hometown state college. Sure. Basically, and, and I think ultimately that was probably pretty decent move you know it bungled yeah still exist is was able to exist you know yeah so, yeah, yeah so um but i didn't i never really i mean at a certain point i realized that i was starting to sound and i say this with the most humility but i was starting to sound like jocko or something i was starting to like mm-hmm. play like him i mean it's super easy to fall into the trappings of imitating the people you admire totally totally and i i remember like at a certain point i was like I got, I'm not going to do that anymore. I, and I kind of stopped. At that point, I was, you know, I was just shedding scales all the time and sure. learning his solos and stuff. And I kind of had to, in a way, I kind of had to step away from him for a while. And I, um, I feel like yeah. perhaps more than um, a lot of instruments, especially when it comes to like pop music and rock music, people that play the bass are most likely to enjoy playing music that they don't actually want to listen to. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I, used to, I knew this dude growing up who like got me to want to play the bass. Uh-huh. And when I would hang out with him at his house, he would like slap bass and do all this crazy shit. Yeah. But in his car and in the band that he played in, it was all metal. Uh-huh. There, was, right. there was absolutely none of that. Right. But right. what was fun to play just right. isn't so cool to listen to right. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I'm whatever I'm playing in, it's, it's still the bass, you know, and I'm still, yeah. it's still me and the bass and I'm still trying to figure out how to you know, fit into the ensemble and be part of the, you know, the, like help it be one thing, uh-huh. you know, and I mean, may, that's, I guess that's a sideman mentality. Uh, being in a support role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But that's, um, like, that's a, that's a good sort of like clock in and go to work role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is maybe, you know, I definitely got my work ethic from my father and you know mm-hmm. he was he was a clock in guy since he was like 16 or something you know so but i mean i also feel like with you specifically you know work. for a number of reasons one because you've spent a lot of time in so many different uh, musical situations whether it's like you know metal or like really fucked up crazy complex metal you know jazz and new music contemporary music all this stuff like you really have to learn specific musical 
um, you know, techniques and everything, but also attitudes, considerations, social interactions yeah. to really be able to adapt to each one in a way that's cohesive. But you also can be uh, like you can you can I'm thinking specifically about like like Patton or someone like that who's not like a classically trained musician. Right. You can be there to to help sort of realize things, right? In right. Like a, sta- a more standard way, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's an assumption or. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, or to you know, I mean, that definitely came in handy when I was. I mean, neither Buzz nor Lombardo, or I mean, uh, Lombardo reads a little bit, but um, you know, none of those guys really read music so much or think about music in that way, right? You know, in terms of like what a downbeat and upbeat is. I mean, they kind of do, but sure. in a different way. Um, and I remember, you know, getting into the middle of that and the, it, you know, the first rehearsals being like, Oh my God, I can't, I have to think about music in a different way. I can't, I can't talk about this. This song starts on the end of two. I can't say that. Right. No one knows what that means. So <laughs> it's like, Oh, you know, there's a hiccup, you know, that's the way like buzz might describe it. Yeah. You know, if like he might, if there's a bar of seven or something, he would call it a hiccup, you know, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, another language for saying the idea. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think it's maybe less precise, you know, it's not like, you know, the language I have to speak in Dan Weiss's band, for instance, where, you know, we're talking about subdividing five tuplets and shit. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, not to say that one is better than the other. Exactly. No, but I, I mean, there's certainly a lot to be said for like feel. Yeah. You know, and absolutely. doing things by feel. And absolutely. like, you yeah. hear that. You hear that in uh-huh. all of that music. Well, yeah, even talking about Danny's music, there was a, there was some unison rhythmic thing that we all had to learn. And I remember when I first got the music, I'm like, man, this is, this is like, pushing my limits in terms of comprehension <laughs> just like keeping time well counting. it was like subdividing there was it was based on it was a whole thing based on five tuplets but you know you're not playing every five tuplet. you it's dividing them all in weird ways yeah so you know i kind of had to learn it I, I i you know put it into logic and and learn it really? slow and learn how to hear it and now we've done it so much that it, you know basically i have it memorized and i'm not i'm not thinking about five tuplets it's all feel you mm-hmm. know and I mean, I think, and that's the way Danny kind of wants it anyway, you know, um, that's a weird thing with a lot of like contemporary, like contemporary jazz and like complex music is that if it's going to be a, a band, an ensemble that performs, the record happens and then the music gets really good because they take it on tour. Exactly. Yeah. Not, I mean, not to say that his, like, I know that's a hundred percent true. And we actually, this, we just did a second record, but we, we intentionally did the opposite. We went on tour with a bunch of new music, yeah. played it on the road, and came back and recorded. And it was it was totally different experience than the first record. It was way less stressful. It was more like, oh yeah, I know what how you know. I'm not on the edge of my seat trying to remember or where to put my finger next. It's more like you know, yeah, I, I know what I need to do to execute this, and let's do another take until we got it. You know, so yeah. One thing I've always really liked about uh, the trio Convulsant. Uh, particularly the second record is the marriage of like power chords and metal uh-huh. with kind of like abstract jazz uh-huh. to there felt like far more elegant to me uh-huh. and sort of seamless, even though like it would literally juxtapose yeah. these things one bar to the next. Right. It always felt more seamless to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 My, I mean, my intention with that was not to like chop the two together it was to kind of, you know, because it's, you know, it was it was sort of the concept of that band, the idea that came to me about, you know, thinking about what, like, all my favorite music lacks or something like. Right. I, you know, I love, you know, I love um, 
complicated jazz stuff, but sometimes it doesn't have the the balls and the girth I want it to have. And then and I love metal and stuff, but often it doesn't have the kind of harmony harmonic complexity yeah. that I want to hear, you know. And I mean, even a band like Mushuga, who I love, it's like a lot of times there's harmonically there's not really a lot going on. Rhythmically, um, there tends to be rhythmically. A lot. It's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so. Um, you know, why not have some counterpoint or two or three lines going on at once or whatever, you know, so in, in the context of like getting your face pummeled, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, th- did you hear that last Meshuggah record? Uh, I haven't. No. Dude. Good. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, it's something with an O. I'll have to look it up. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I could see, I'm, I see the cover. Yeah. I, it's weird. Dude. I don't know. Like I'm reading this, uh, like the fifth Yukio Mishima book that I've read. I'm reading it right now. Uh-huh. And someone asked me, like, oh, what are you reading right now? And I realized I didn't even know the name of the book. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, it's just one of his books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's the same thing with that record. Like, yeah. I don't even know the name of the record. Right, right. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Certain, I think our brains are only uh, capable of holding so much information. So, But there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said for music that you can enjoy I mean, as a listener and participate with on any level. Uh-huh. Certainly like a band like Meshuggah, I'm sure that if you went to a Meshuggah concert, the vast majority of the people in the audience probably couldn't tell you about the time signatures and the metric modulation that's occurring. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. It, it doesn't matter. Right. The music still fucking rules. Right, right. But at least the dudes on stage are probably like kept on their toes every gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they those those same audience members might not be able to, not maybe not pinpoint what it is, but they might be affected by it. You know, they might, yeah. like there's something there that they're getting that they're not getting from other bands or something, you know, and like, they don't know what it is, but it's like, you know. That band is weird that way. I've actually had strong emotional uh-huh. reactions while listening. I can't explain it, but I uh-huh. feel myself kind of getting choked up while I uh-huh. listen to it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I know. But. Thanks for your patience. I've yeah, blew you off. It was a little two, tricky. <laughs> two previous interludes, inter- interviews. Um, but you are, like, you just gave me this record, Nocturnes. Yeah. Which comes out in like a week or two. Yeah. 19th of April. Um, yeah. I am really happy that this is in Thank existence. You. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like this is this has been a long time coming. Oh, yeah, it has. It has. There's a piece I wrote in college on there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a long time ago, which I never expected to see the light of day. And then I did a week at the Stone a couple of years ago, uh, probably five years ago, and, uh-huh. I, and I pulled that one out. I pulled that piece out, which I'd never only had like a sketch of it in, in pencil. And I thought, oh man, maybe I should, you know, give this a shot. Cause I was, I was working with a string quartet, um, to play also that night. So I, so there's this piece I wrote for, it's a bass solo with string quartet accompaniment basically. So it's like a, a concerto. Yeah. It's like originally it was supposed to be like the first movement of a bass sonata, you know, Okay. which when I was in college, I was, you know, learning a lot of those and, um, and so, yeah, it's like a six minute thing. And I, I thought, oh man, this is, you know, this is doable. And I actually ended up kind of liking it. So then I thought, oh, maybe I'll, I'll put this out. It'd be my, my first opus or something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But why did it take so fucking long, man? Cause I'm a side man <laughs> and like, you know, you know, just having to f- forcing myself, being able to book myself in order to write music is something I have to do. You mean? To, to to carve out the time yeah, to like, give yourself time and focus? Yeah, yeah. And also to be like, you know, if I'm home for the month of September and someone calls me up and says, hey, I got, you know, here's this gig in September, 
are you around? I'm like, well, yeah, technically I am around, but I'm supposed to be writing that whole time, you know? So it's hard for me to say no to things like that. And it's I, that freelancer mind. Yeah. And I have to, I have to force myself to be like, no, this is, I'm writing this week or this month or whatever. And, and I'm not going to do any gigs because I, even if it's just a couple easy gigs or something, it's still, you know, it can, it can affect an entire day of writing or a couple days, sure. you know? So, um, I mean, with through composed music, I feel like I don't know that it can be done casually. Like when we uh, pop in for five minutes and you know fuck around with it can't know. for me. Yeah, I mean, it takes me if I'm if I come home from a tour and I've got uh, several weeks in front of me to write. It takes me at least two or three days to even you know to like clean my desk, get my shit ready, you know, yeah. procrastinate, you know pay my bills, all that stuff. And then where I can finally, one day I can get up and be like, oh, I, you know, have my oatmeal and then be like, um, now I can start writing. You Do you know? beat yourself up about that procrastination? Yeah, hell yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the fucking worst. Yeah. I'm like, literally, I'm looking at you and I'm looking at my clarinet case back there. Right. It hasn't been opened in three days. Right, right. And it, it, I feel like I'm being taunted by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, okay. But yeah. is that... <laughs> but I also feel that way when I'm writing about playing the bass because I haven't, I haven't touched my upright and I've been trying to write, you know, for the, for the last week or so. And I haven't touched my upright and I feel bad about that too. So it's like, it's always something. It's always something. But I feel like certain aspects of the procrastination are kind of crucial. Yeah. Like if I watch a movie, you know, which I've been doing a lot of, right. You know, and I see something incredible, like it's gonna, it's gonna seep in and kind uh-huh. of shape the way I yeah. approach things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think of everything like that, you know, or going to see live music, it's all, even if I'm, maybe it's just a way from, to get out of the house and uh-huh. to go enjoy myself or something. There's also, there's an element of research there, you know, mm-hmm. um, at least that's my excuse, you know, it's for going out. Well, it's research. It's research. Yeah, I'll go <laughs> see, it I'll go see, uh. <laughs> Dumbo this week. It's research. <laughs> <laughs> but so this record taking that long, Nocturnes. Yeah. It, I mean, honestly, when I when I set my mind to, well, recording, writing the music was one step, sure. you know, and then getting, you know, and then when I set my mind, I had all the music together and I set my mind to record it. it that didn't take too long. It probably took, you know overall a couple years or something because you know i'm dealing with rehearsing a string quartet and having a couple performances you know and you didn't tap an existing string quartet you assembled one right well no this it's the secret quartet which is uh jenny Choi, um amazing and cornelius stefalo amazing eve deramaraj and uh and uh lev gerbin and yeah yeah and um i mean they're an existing quartet okay um, and i I'm not sure if they still are or not, but, um, yeah, I, um, I knew I've known Jenny for a while, you know, met her through Zorn years ago and, and I wanted her, I trusted her and wanted her to, you know, I actually asked her, I'm like, Hey, do you want to, you know, put together a quartet? And then at a certain point she's like, Oh, well I have this new quartet now. So let's do it with them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so logistically things take a while. I have to book them out. Yeah. But and and Vicky Chow, who does the piano stuff, was like super hard to pin down. She's super busy, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, I wanted them to perform, be able to perform it a couple times at least. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted like here, learn this, and we'll go into the studio, like you right. Know, so, but do you, is there a part of you having spent so much of your creative and professional life as a side person? Um, 
do you like is is there was there any self-consciousness about like you'd be in a studio or on a tour and you're seeing what like you shouldn't do um well, like any hesitancy about taking the role of the leader based on oh yeah yeah i think so yeah um i mean yeah i've been in bands with i mean you know as someone who is uh uh can be diplomatic i'm often in the situation where i've some band i have some monomaniacal band leader you know Mm -hmm. and um there's i mean there's things to learn what to do and not to do from right or or even someone who's not that way who's too like you know sheepish or something too passive too passive and like you know totally like, like which you know is I mean, being assertive and, 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 you know, uh, being a leader is not my forte, I think personality wise. Right. Um, it's, it's hard for me to do. It's hard for me to be like that way and, and uh-huh. call it be like in control of a bunch of people who totally. I respect musically, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, there's, well, yeah, there's a endless examples of seeing what to do and what not to do. And I feel like sometimes I'm the only person in the world who is like struggles with like confidence and the way it shows up in like my my musical practice uh-huh. like and things that I avoid doing and uh-huh. you know uh-huh. it, and it, it like it eats at me it makes me feel like I'm going crazy right right yeah i mean i you're probably not the only one who feels that way <laughs> but i think i think most people even if even if they don't show it lack confidence i think sure you know i think i'm starting to believe that as i get older so right yeah well so now but when you finally locked in and started making this record i'm already over that record by the way are you really yeah <laughs> well you must be because no, like, i mean yeah i'm like even compositionally i'm like uh, on to the next thing you know well that's good what's string quartet number two gonna be you know that's healthy yeah yeah that's what you should be doing yeah, yeah. but was it cool to be able to realize a, you know what is essentially concert music as a recording and have it like yeah it was like great amazing especially with great musicians yeah you know um to you know because i remember writing stuff in college and having students or sure. like faculty play it you know at a, at a state university and be like what uh, you know right like even if you even if the writing wasn't good I, I don't think i ever heard it the way it was intended you know or it could have sounded yeah, yeah exactly so to be working with you know like jenny and you know having these musicians like you know i rehearsed with them a few times and and having their input and be like well we can do it this way or Mm -hmm. you know and then be able to hear it back i'm like oh my god i wrote that that's amazing like i can't believe it (laughs) you know i mean amazing you know for better for worse it's like right you know for me it was um incredible i mean it's an incredible feeling and i can't wait to do it again yeah yeah so this is not going to be a one-time thing. No, I want to, I definitely would love to do more stuff like this. I mean, I have, we can talk about it. I have a bunch of other projects in my book right now that I want to Yeah, I mean, finish, I saw that you, I want to do. you put a thing on like Instagram saying that, you know, yeah. turning 50, yeah. like lit a match under your ass kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You scared of dying? <laughs> I don't know if I'm scared of dying, but I'm scared of not um, saying what I you know, I mean, I'll probably never say everything I want to say, but right. at least saying, you know, a good percentage of it. Like, cause I mean, I've had ideas that probably I got sick of and never realized sure. because I got sick of them, you know? So, so why but that, not? is that because you didn't take steps to, to actualize them and they just kind of, yeah, probably. And then enough time went yeah. by. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So, um, yeah, I would, I would, yeah. I mean, we're all going to die, so there's no point in being afraid of it, really. <laughs> I, just might have you <laughs> I just want to put out a few more CDs before I, <laughs> before I croak. <laughs> what is that Bootsy Collins? He says, like, some record where he says something like, I'm not scared of dying. I just want to be there when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. But, but it, it, you know, that is a sobering moment. Yeah. Getting older and yeah. realizing that there really isn't, like, nothing's going to happen. Like, it's just this moment. Yeah. And you kind of have to define it. Yeah. And, you know, no one's going to, I mean, I can ha have encouragement from Zorn or whoever. Sure. Who, you know, I mean, he's someone who's always encouraged me and always, he's been, you know, trying to get me to put out, do a record like this for probably 10 years at least. Yeah. And, um, uh, um, but the only person who's really going to make it happen is me, yeah. you know, and yeah, as, yeah, yeah. A, and as someone who's so busy as a side person, um, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to, uh, make that work together. You know? uh, yeah. I mean, I think, but I also, I think there's a lot to be said for things happening when they, it's the right time for them to happen. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, I'm, do you have any doubt that this record, and I know you're kind of over it, like you said, but, well, sorta. But if you'd made this record 15 years ago, would it be as solid as it is? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the <clears throat> the second movement of the string. It's a three movement string quartet. The second movement I wrote um, like 10 years ago or something. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be. It was the first thing I wrote wrote for a multi movement string quartet, and I knew it was going to be somewhere in the middle. It was either going to be second or maybe third movement of a four movement thing but then you know it's sat around for 10 years and occasionally i thought oh yeah i gotta write two more movements for that thing yeah you know? and then next thing i know 10 years went by and i'm like fuck this i got and i sat down and i wrote them you know yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but does it sound like 10 years in between i don't know i don't know i can't tell i mean i you know i took i took material from the second movement and to inform the other one yeah. so um so I don't know if it does or not. Is every piece on the record based on a classical form? Um, not really. Sorry, that's all right. Um, I mean, I mean the 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 nocturnes are the thing that have the most form, and they're they're basically kind of you know like sort of ABA ish a a a, a ABA ish sort of. Uh huh. Um. You know, like a melody that repeats, and then there's a bridge and whatever. Um, those kind of have the most strict form. The other pieces are more like the bass piece is totally through composed. The the last piece, which is super weird, is and more conceptual is is through composed. And then the string quartet is, um, I mean, there are kind of forms within forms in mm -hmm. that, but it's not it's not like a any sort of actual you know it's not like a uh, sonata form or something like right. that you know yeah so yeah so but i do like i like forms i like you know i'm kind of actually trying to get more into that yeah so i mean so and you're releasing a bunch of music which is like no better time than 2019 to be putting out recorded oh, it, music oh yeah exactly especially <laughs> right especially on like a um, physical format <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> yeah. uh so do you so this year you have more shit well, um, let's see. I 
I'm not sure what's going to come out this year. Um, I did finish a film soundtrack for this guy in New Zealand, um, but he's still working on the film. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a super long, like unbearably slow art film. Um, you mean as, as a viewing experience? Yeah. yeah um, cool. you know, I wrote like, I think 50 minutes of music for it. And, Five zero. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're, he's got to finish the film first, obviously, but we're thinking about trying to put out a, like a, you know, DVD with a CD and stuff like that. But that's basically finished. And then I have this duo project with, um, my colleague Sanity, uh-huh. who's a Dutch electronic musician. And, you guys uh, made a record. We've recorded a bunch of stuff uh-huh. together um, under the name Sperm Church. That's it's our beautiful duo. Band, yeah. And uh, I think it's the best band name ever. It is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have already recorded some stuff. And actually, she's coming to town tomorrow. And um, we're going to spend the next like couple weeks editing stuff and maybe recording some more. And so that's hopefully next on the mm-hmm. to be released. I'm not sure where that'll be, what label would take it. It's going to be, I mean, it's like you know electronic beats and electric bass with effects and stuff it's pretty weird sounds good so the film thing is kind of annoying like how long everything takes. oh my god yeah 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 i got hired to do a soundtrack uh-huh the initial conversation started last july and with funding coming and going yeah it's oh. still just, like it'll maybe be a couple of years yeah 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 it, and it's maddening yeah because it's a project that i'm like super excited about right um, I you think haven't fu- started the music yet. I did. Oh, you did. I got yeah. like, I, I got so psyched, you know, yeah, like yeah. when we agreed on everything totally. <laughs> and I just, I was like, you know, like a fucking beaver, yeah. you know, just gnawing away at it. Yeah. And then like, I'm looking at these delays of like a year or two. Yeah. It's just like, man, yeah. that really like, there's so many like, blue balling my creativity. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's way worse than the music industry. I mean, oh, there's way worse. so many levels of, you know, people you have to go through and, you know, I don't know. Ugh. I mean, I could definitely stand to be more patient. When it comes to everything, um, <laughs> but that I, I just I don't know how people don't lose their minds completely. Yeah, well, especially like for this project, I just did. This guy gave me free reign. In fact, I wrote all the music without seeing any of the film. He wanted it that way, uh-huh. um, and he's he's still putting it together, the film together, and he's doing he's kind of editing, cutting into the music. cutting into the music. Yeah, it's amazing, which is great. Like he he gave me a general idea of what the what it's about. And how it was gonna look, maybe, and and I did my thing, and I would just send him pieces at a time, you know, and like you brought in other musicians. Yeah, yeah, I hired a few musicians, and I mean, I did a lot at home, but I also had I had some people come over, and then I had like for I had I sent Carla Kilstead a a couple parts, and I had her record them at her place, mm-hmm. you know, up in Cape Cod, and then put them in place, you know, and. But yeah, it was amazing to have free reign because I've actually never done that kind of film work where you have someone breathing down your neck saying, "Hey, can this? Can you make this more, you know, crunchy, right? Or more, you know, crispy or, or whatever? Dumb whatever, fucking, exactly. Yeah. Ad, uh, adjective they want to throw at it. It's always <laughs> been like kind of weird creative stuff where they just like you do you. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I mean, I've done, I've done. All the film stuff I've done has been super low budget indie yeah. stuff, you know, with people I know, basically. And um, I love the idea of like sitting down with a film with no music and be like, okay, how, what can I do to this? Like, I want, I want to be in charge of that. I want to be like, that's the musical side of it. Uh-huh. So I, I don't want someone telling me, well, you know, let's cut out the piano there or something. Like, well, no, I put that in there for a reason, you know. Right. So I don't know if I could deal with doing that. It seems like the expectation of 
soundtrack composers now, probably largely because of limited budgets, um, uh, yeah. is that you're expected to be composer, but also sound design. Right. And like, a lot of soundtracks that are coming out now, especially for like intense horror-based stuff, yep. it's like, yeah, that, that I could hear, like, all, like, it's it's not. I mean, it's cool. It's musical and it's abstract. Yeah. That's that's all cool. Yeah. But it's a lot of drones. Right. And it's a lot of like really like sub bass. And it's like I don't think yeah. that's as much a musical consideration as it is like amping up what's happening on the screen. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. That's a that's yeah. It's a major difference between like Bernard Herman, for instance, right. and 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 yeah, sound design. Yeah. And we all want to be Bernard Herman. Yeah. At the end <laughs> yeah. of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was thinking of um, doing a maybe the next time I do a film thing or I don't know what it could be something else, but of doing just like all all like sound design, like recording only objects in my room, you know, like right. you know, like glasses rubbing against the wood table. What do they call it? ASMR. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> little clicks and pops. But I mean, no, but actually constructing in a way that could be interesting. You know, I don't know if it's possible for me, but. I mean, I feel like it makes sense if you get hired to do a soundtrack with, you know, let's say, again, a limited budget. It makes sense to do it, like, in your home studio, playing a lot of parts yourself, bringing yeah. in, you know, which would end up meaning, at least in my case, that you're using synths and stuff because yeah, don't really don't have to, have to know how to play. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I have, like, that, that little devil um, in camouflage pants on my shoulder. <laughs> Uh, like guilt tripping me about like not just going in with a bunch of, you know, musicians and banging it out in, right. you know, 20 minutes or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. 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 But then, I mean, when you're doing that, you're sitting there working with a film, you're talking, you're thinking about like cuts, yeah. like, like lining up timing stuff, which I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just go in and record a song and be like, here, here, you know, cut this up however you want. Like I kind of, I love being like, okay, it, it. 13 seconds and you know 13.4 seconds this sound happens you know and for this length of time and and anticipates something that's going to happen here right you know i mean it seems like the for me the concept of good film music is to sort of enhance the what the film is saying you Mm -hmm. know and and it's kind of amazing how powerful the music is in that realm i you know i went to the museum of uh uh, film, uh, what's it called? Uh, in movie? Queens? Yeah. Um, moving Image? Moving, mo- yeah. Yeah, the Moving Image. And uh, there's this little um, uh, hands-on exhibition where you can, they're, they're, they show a clip from a film. It's like, say, it's a family driving through the through these like rolling hills. Right. And um, you have all these choices of music you can put to it. and um, And it's amazing how much it changed you know if it's a horror thing or a folk tune right. a, a, a major key folk song or you know it could go from the shining to you know whatever shining, yeah yeah to like have you ever seen the the mock-up um clip of the shining with a different where they, yeah, make they a play look, like the theme to 30 something or, or, well, or yeah they, what is it, it or it's, like, it's like northern exposure <laughs> something like that. it's like a they yeah. cut the cut it the trailer so it looks like a family feel-good movie yeah it's It's hilarious it's amazing yeah it's so good yeah (laughs) but that's you know to me that's the power of music and film you know yeah so it's it's amazing how much it it like affects you yeah i you know you know that movie the conversation yeah the i mean it's like one of the great it's one of my favorite movies of all time and the score is pretty much all solo piano Uh uh-huh 
And it's so fucking good. Mm. It's so, 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 so good. Nice. And I'm like, I can never do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, right, right. It's, 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 and what's defeating about that to me is it's just solo piano. Uh-huh. It's just one instrument. Right, right. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, you don't. Well, I mean, maybe the thing to do is analyze the hell out of it and figure out what it is that you think works and then you, have try you, to apply that, you know. I mean, I guess that's like a jazz thing. Transcribing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you done a lot of that? In your I, life? Yeah, I've done a fair amount. Not a ton, but yeah. 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 But I'm definitely a big proponent of, you know, if there's one little thing in a in a piece of music that I like, I'm like, what is that? You know, what is that? Co- why do I like this? What is that chord? What yeah. is that? Maybe it's because it's coming from the thing before it or, you know. What, what's like an example of that discovery? Oh, man. Um well, it's funny. I was just I haven't I haven't looked at the score yet, but I was just listening. I just bought a Sibelius string quartet for some reason. I'm not mm-hmm. like necessarily a huge Sibelius fan or anything and it's not it doesn't the string quartet doesn't kill me, but there's one movement there where there's a it's like a slow movement with this these chords that are doing something uh, and I haven't really sat down to figure out what it is yet, but that's I might I might do that. I might look at I might actually look at the score and even uh write it out and you know, put it in a little notebook of Stuff like that, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I have when I was first doing a bunch of string quartet writing, I was listening to a lot of the the late Beethoven quartets and looking at scores and taking note of sections that I liked. I'm like, oh, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. Oh, the, you know, they're all, all the instruments are kind of playing in mid range. Oh, it sounds really great there. Or, yeah. Or seeing how the octaves divided up or something or, yeah, you know. Who's 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 playing the melody? He, especially with stuff like that, you don't you can't necessarily tell by hearing it. You know, right? Like, there'll be arpeggios broken up between two different instruments. You know, viola and violin. You can't wouldn't maybe wouldn't know that unless you saw the score. Yeah. So um, stuff like that is, I think, really important. Uh-huh. I still, I mean, I love looking at scores. You know, I still. Have you been to that store in Paris? Uh, the pen, the the pan and the flute. No, I haven't. Dude. I'm going to be in Paris soon, so... You have to go. Okay, I'll go. It's not cheap, but okay. you, I mean, those, none of those places are cheap. Right, right. Dude, it's fucking crazy. They have every score oh, man. that's in publication. Oh, Jesus. And I went in there, and it's like... It's dangerous. No one working there speaks English. <laughs> and it's like, it's arranged by instruments. It's like, it's if you want something specific... I, had a, I was in there for like an hour, uh-huh. and there was this, like, this one chick working who... There's this one person working who didn't speak any English, and I was just asking for like different composers, and she was like, she had no idea what I was talking about. I swear to God, this like creepy kid came like lurking out of the back, <laughs> and he's like, I'm gonna show you where like the section you need to look at. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, that's oh, great. There's a like, there's right, all the fucking right, guys. Right. Yeah, yeah, dude, you oh, have to go. Cool, I will. You have to go. Yeah, right. You're gonna, you'll right. fucking lose your mind. What's it called? Pan. It's I guess the pen and the flute. Oh, okay, but yeah, the pan and the flute. Right. Okay. Right by the music conservatory. Okay. It's okay. insane. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> they have everything. Great. Everything. Great. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like, there's some schnitka string quartet stuff I would love to get, you know, or a lot of stuff is impossible to find, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, wait, wait, what are you doing in Paris? Um, uh, Endangered Blood is playing there. Okay. Um, yeah, we're doing three, actually, I'm only going to be there for a day, so... I don't, hard to say how much time I'll have, but, um, dude, get over there, take a cab, take an Uber, yeah, and just get over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's well worth it. Cool. Did, um, all right. So the film soundtrack, the duo with sanity, nocturnes, the Tzaddik record. Are you doing, um, are you going to make a record of proofreaders, the Ornette band? 
Um, that's not a, no, I don't think I am. Can I, I kinda, just say something for a second? Sure. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to sound like a dick, but like I am, so it's okay. <laughs> I've been hearing like, you you know, you could probably speak to this, like, you know, trends kind of come and go in weird ways. Like mm-hmm. a year or two ago, like all of a sudden it seemed like everyone had just discovered Alice Coltrane. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, or there was like Feldmania was happening for a while. Or, like every like piece of music kind of sounded like Feldman. <laughs> Like every, there's a lot of shit that sounds like prime time all of a sudden. Uh-huh. I, I feel like all of a sudden people like just heard, like interesting. Yeah, yeah, prime yeah, time. yeah. Like oh wait, we can do this. Yeah, we can have everyone playing different things at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I you know I love Ornette Coleman. I you know his I, you know I've I've transcribed a lot of Ornette tunes, probably sixty or seventy tunes, and um, um, you know I did I started. I put a band together just just to play them, you know, yeah. just because I think they, I mean, I kind of think they should be standards, you know, and absolutely. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't be. They're super, you could play those in a restaurant, you know, most, I hear, a lot of them, you know? I hear at least the shape of jazz that come in yeah, restaurants now. Yeah, yeah. And no one seems I mean, that's, like, I, as I say that, I feel horrible, like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's legitimate for a restaurant, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> congratulations, Arnett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've Oops. deemed your music yeah, worthy yeah. Of, uh, of a brunch. Yeah. <laughs> It pairs well with avocado toast. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, it's 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 accessible is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's not like, you know, even though it might be harmelodic, uh-huh. whatever the hell that means, it's, it you know, it swings and it's and it's melodic. And they're and they're super interesting. Mm-hmm. Those tunes are all all he's got so many different forms, which is what I love about his music. But I don't I don't have a burning desire to record them because I feel like I, I often when people do covers uh, or like tributes or something uh-huh. like that, I'm like, what's the point? Like, maybe I'll listen to that once, but I'm going to go back to the original. Right. All every time. You every know? time. And I don't, I don't think I have anything to say to, to add to his music, but I, I love playing it and I'll keep playing it live just because I enjoy it, you know? Yeah. I think that's a healthy attitude. Uh-huh. But also in terms of the music, you know, becoming of, of Ornette or anything really, like our ears get conditioned over time, uh-huh. you know, and whatever, you know, people have been taking influence from Ornette and then putting it into their own music and slowly, you know, our ears adjust. Like, do you, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is fucking depressing, but remember when, um, <laughs> that share song, um, uh, the one with the, the, uh, auto tune, the auto tune, that, that was like the first auto tune. And remember right? how weird it sounded? Yeah. You yeah. go back and listen to it now. Uh. It sounds like she's singing straight. Right, right. You don't even hear the wow, auto Wow, you barely even know. You don't even yeah. hear it. Amazing. And Amazing. I remember how weird it sounded? Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like an alien yeah. was singing. You're like, and of course everyone was against it, like, oh, this is horrible. This isn't music, you know? That's not real singing. And now it's now it's a thing. It's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's the thing. Yeah, yeah. There's even a guy, I can't remember, there's a like a trap guy, I'm trying to remember who it was. Maybe it, ah, uh, it's, some, it's some young guy from Atlanta who does- Is he a young lo- thug? It's not Young Thug, but he does like his thing is it's it's using um, auto tune even when he's kind of taught like in a talking yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, not yeah. even singing, but you know, and so it gives it this tweaky, you know, guttural thing. I but, mean, I mean, hey, you know, <laughs> technology. <laughs> that, <laughs> Can't that, stop that's it. a world of music that like I like how repulsive a lot of it is. Uh-huh. Like it, it scratches the same itch in some ways, mm-hmm. and like. Like just immediately like when I first got into metal, 
just the imagery and like the gore right. and just sort of like the anti right. everything of it. Yeah. Like it scratches that itch for like 10 seconds for me uh-huh. where I'm like, what are these guys like? They're right. really talking about these. They're just like pieces of shit. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> when you, when you realize half the time what they're talking about, like, Oh man. But I, I mean, I love it. I love the music actually. Trap. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? It's, I mean, it's, it's super weird. I think, you know, there's like, you know, it's kind of hi-hat based with these, yeah. a lot of times there are these, there are these bass lines that are, you know, it's either the combination of the bass drum or the synth they're using for bass and they're, they're kind of out of tune. Uh-huh. Or so, they're moved around in certain ways that are cool. I think there's a lot of elements there that I like. Yeah. I like the fact that I can't understand a word they're saying, <laughs> that this kind of mumbly thing. Right. I, I'm actually kind of into that. I mean, you know, to me, that's not any different than listening to you know, uh, aria in foreign language, you know? So, yeah. You know, it's like you're listening to the sound of it and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, actually, Sanity is like, she's super into that stuff and her, a lot of her music is kind of informed by it, but mm-hmm. she, of course, she like twists it in her own way, but. I mean, I think I like the scum fuckery of it the best. Uh-huh. Just the <laughs> right, that, like, right. Like dudes are talking about drinking like lean and yeah. like fucking your girl and Gucci flip-flops. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, this right. is great. Yeah, These people yeah. are terrible. Yeah. That's still like, all right, so uh <laughs> or or like drive by like what's that what's the song pull up with a stick? Um Oh, Rich uh, Chicka? No, um who is uh oh man, I can't think of who that is. It might be Fatty Wop or something. Okay. <laughs> pull up with a stick, let it hit. That's the line, but he's it's like, "Oh, what's he talking about? Oh, he's talking about, you know, pulling up and shooting someone." That's right? great. That's a great thing to be singing about. <laughs> Go kids. How old are you? 23? <laughs> Or said, there was another song I heard recently where the guy who's talking about how he's he was on um, he's in his math he's basically in a math class high on ecstasy and if the if the teacher like gets on his case he's gonna crucify her. Dude, <laughs> you know, I, I have like a lot of friends that are younger than me and like mm-hmm. they're all about Tinder and like that yeah. world of right like whatever it is now. I think. If I was like suddenly single again and like put back out into the world, uh-huh. I think I would get eaten alive. Right, right. It's yeah. Just like, I, th- I think like I just would not yeah. know. Yeah. I'd be like a guy getting out of prison. Uh-huh. You know, remember the Shawshank Redemption where he like right, that old right. dude fucking like offs himself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like a, was it a Cheech and Chong thing where he talks about how he's going to, got he gets out of prison and the just the wind blows, like gets him aroused. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I sound like an old man talking about what the kids are singing about these days. But, I, I mean, I think about some of the lyrics I was writing when I was 17. I mean, they're outlandish, mm-hmm. violent, sexist, fucked up lyrics, you know. My mom, growing up, like, for all of her flaws, you know, she's, like, pretty great in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. And she used to take me to buy tapes. Uh-huh. And she'd be like, what are you into? Like, let's, we'd listen to it in the car. And yeah. she was like, I can hear what you like about that. Or, uh-huh. like, I don't really get this, but, yeah. like... And the one album that she was like, no, huh. this, you're not listening to this fucking shit was Rain and Blood. <laughs> and it's the first lyrics, Auschwitz, the meaning of pain. Right. The, the way, way she, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the matter, mom? Exactly. And she was like, no, this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. is, no, this is yeah, garbage. Which yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to get, I, gotta, I really need to check this out then. <laughs> Secretly listening to it under the, under the covers <laughs> with your Walkman. Yeah. Are you doing, um. You're not doing another Mad Love record, are you? 
No, um, I I would like to someday, but I am doing. I'm. I this is another record I've been working on for over ten years. I'm working on a like actively working on. Yeah. Tracking. Well, yeah, at home. Yeah. Occasionally, um, is a, a singer songwriter record, Wait, and I, really? which I'm putting quotes around singer songwriter because it's like uh, it's me singing. It's kind of in the Mad Love vein, I guess, of uh-huh. songwriting, but it's it's not so rock oriented. It's like. A little more keyboard based. It's a little more mellow, I guess, but it's still going to be kind of got a weird element to it. And I would say I'm about halfway through with that record, and like it's halfway recorded. Yeah, I, I, I'm once I'm finished recording it, I want to um, actually go into a studio with some people who know what they're doing and kind and mix it and kind of tw- you know, I want it to be kind of produced. Well, it'll be a home recorded record. Yeah, yeah, in Logic, you know. Hold um, on a second. Hold on one second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, you got all the Arcana books. If we're talking about singer-songwriter shit. <laughs> nice. Man, my favorite. Did you, this one? This one of my top, yeah. Really? Yeah. Buffalo sure. Trace? Yep. I, uh... <laughs> There's something about... Sorry, that's kind of uh, That's port. cool, that's cool. Uh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> you gotta drink whiskey with singer-songwriter records. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I took you writing lyrics, yeah, to be totally. sung over acoustic totally. guitars. Well, you know that's the funny thing. That's the problem with calling it singer songwriter. It's not there. There are there are going to be acoustic guitars. There might even be um, one song that's I, I'm not sure yet, but I'm I'm just thinking in terms of the whole record and what it needs. There might be one song that's just acoustic guitar and, and voice, and mm-hmm. you know, su- super simple like that. But I, a lot of it is. Um, there's there's electric guitar. There's a lot of Fender Rhodes. There's going to be I'm going to have um, Sanity do some crazy drum electronic mm-hmm. drums. Um, there's you know there's I've had people come over and do percussion and record percussion. And there's you know there's a uh, some upright bass. You know vocal it, harmonies. Yeah, yeah. And I'm doing I'm doing pretty much all of it, but there's might be a couple songs I'm going to have like a female singer who I'm not sure yet. Uh-huh. Um add, you know, maybe sing lead or at least um co-lead or something or some harmony on a on a couple things, but it's mostly all me. Yeah. So, and um I mean, it was it was definitely sparked by you know i there's one song on the mad love record that i sing lead on and uh-huh. i was you know i've been getting into singing a little bit more over the years and and when i recorded that i was pretty nervous about it because i didn't know if i was going to be able to cut it you know and uh-huh. it was actually came out pretty good and and i was and i got a lot of compliments about it and that kind of encouraged me to like oh maybe i should do more you of enjoy that. singing yeah i do yeah it's expressive yeah yeah and I actually really like writing lyrics, and it's funny because writing lyrics is I was doing before I started playing the bass. As a kid? Um, yeah, like when I was into rock bands, and I've, I mean, I've, clarinet was my first instrument. Bass was mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, my when my brother started bringing home rock records, I started writing lyrics, you know, and it was all like four-line stanzas that rhymed, you know, uh-huh. and, and verse, chorus. I mean, there were no... There were no, there was no uh, song. There were no chords, but I would. Call, they were my songs. You know, I'm like, I, I still have those at at my parents' house. Ton, I wrote tons of stuff like that, and I and I I love doing it. And of course, I wrote in Bungle. I wrote lyrics, and I wrote all the lyrics in Mad Love. I mean, uh-huh. I, it's, I really like it, and I like how it's it, it. I mean, it pushes me in a whole in a different way that sure music does. You know, 
because I, I want it to be interesting, but not, you know, fall into the usual traps. And I mean, it's also, though, it's like, I mean, I might be talking out of my ass, but I think it's cool because someone like you is in a position where I feel like you will be more likely to have more liberty in the lyrics that you write uh, because they're not attached to a persona. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. think of, I mean, and this is like a disgusting example, but like you pick any like pop musician, uh-huh. like there's like a pretty set range of things they're going to talk about as where like whatever book you're into, whatever film you're into, you can just like dip in and take out something that literally means like nothing to the world. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with the stuff I'm writing now, I'm 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 kind of I tend to write very personally, like there's something yeah. personal behind every, most of the lyrics that I've written, even you know, even if it might be hidden or something and I'm kind of trying to get more into the idea of like representing a character. Uh-huh. Or, or you know, it's not, or it could be based on personal experience, but it's more like, like, um, like a uh, extreme variation or something, or like you know, put it as a story, you know. Uh huh. Are there certain like who are some lyricists that you that you look to as being important? Oh man, um, that's a good question. I, I mean, I would have to go back. I think Deborah Harry actually. Yeah. Like the first, the first Blondie records were huge for me. Like yeah. you know, the first like five, you know, up through. Um, eat to the beat um i always really liked her lyric writing and even you know er, those early records when i was a adolescent um and not understanding what the hell she was talking about but just picking out words that that appealed and like wow that's a what an amazing word what does that mean you know or or the way she would phrase something you know phrasing yeah yeah yeah. phrasing yeah actually i remember years ago you put me on to um that Dennis Wilson record. Oh yeah, uh, Pacific, Pacific Blue. Blue. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that song, like the tearjerker, that you feel like you're getting punched in the heart, right? Super slowly, <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly, yeah. and super slowly. Um, but when he said, you were like, "Wait till he says I love you." Uh-huh. And I remember, like, the second I heard that, I felt like someone <laughs> smashed, like, right, smashed right, my rib right, agent. right. The way he's like, "Yeah, it's incredible." Yeah, and that is like a moment, and it's the combination of words, delivery, yeah, chords, yeah. And it is, it fucking destroys you. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like, he's he's a great singer, but he's not super refined. And I oh. like the, to me, I love that. That's what I also like about, you know, Elliot Smith, for instance. Oh. Like his, you know, that this kind of unrefined, fragile fragility to yeah. the voice. And I mean, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money and vocal training to achieve that. I, know, I actually think that you don't. <laughs> I think for that music, it needs to be recorded at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it needs to be recorded like you're worried about yeah. your neighbors getting pissed off at the sound. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's got to have that late night yeah. eerie quality right. to it. <laughs> totally. and, but also, like, I think maybe we've talked about this before, but like when people shit on like Bob Dylan as a singer, like, are you fucking, is there anything wrong with the way he delivers those lines? Right, right. You know, like, right. I think they're delivered pretty yeah. on point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or people shit on like Ringo's drumming. It's like, well, okay, if you want to shit on his drumming, like what's wrong with the Beatles? Yeah. Like what's wrong with those songs? Right, right. You, you want Neil Peart to play those parts? <laughs> no, you don't. No. You really don't want that, yeah. No, and I, I mean, so that's kind of like the cool thing when people who aren't like, their their livelihood is independent on being the singer. I think they can access vulnerability with like fewer roadblocks. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And those, it's you know, those are human elements, and I like to hear that in music. I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember co- recording stuff. It was probably 
with Bungle with Patton or something and being like, you know, he would do a take where maybe his voice would crack or something, you know, was wasn't quite right. And I'm like, no, man, that's 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 the great. one. That's the one. Like it's you're never gonna be able to do that. Probably again. lost that battle though. Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, my answer is no. <laughs> I mean that dude can sing anything. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you know, it's funny, you were we were talking about Buzz earlier. Um he just did a track he did my friend um, Joe, who has his band Dub Trio. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They released a single with Buzz singing. He's right. just singing, right? No, I kind of, I kind of, I have to say, I kind of hooked that up. Did you? Well, they. Uh, I'm friends with Stu, uh-huh. and he he was asking me if he was like, man, you know, we want Buzz to sing on the song, you know, and he knew I knew him, and so I kind of, you know, greased the wheel a little bit. That's Dude, all. I why think. aren't more people tapping Buzz to sing? He's awesome. Uh huh. His yeah. voice fucking rules. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it rules. Yeah, and he's he has a lot of different characters too vocally. Like yeah, you know, over the course of all these Melvin's records he's done, there's he's got this you know this kind of quiet voice. He's got the you know like fifty foot giant voice. He's you know he's got all kinds of weird stuff. I think Buzz is honestly, <laughs> in my mind, like a musical thinker on the same level. Of fucking like Schoenberg and uh-huh. he's just like he, he's laid down a gauntlet to me. Yeah, yeah. That is like yeah. it challenges my ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's. I think a great thing about him is he's consciously always challenging himself and trying to yeah. keep it, trying to you know do something different. Or, I mean, that's why he. One reason he, the Melvin's light came into existence. Where you, you played know, upright bass. Where yeah. I played upright. I mean, he saw me play with with Nels Klein trio when uh-huh. I was going I was switching back between upright and electric and, and he's like, Man, I want to do something with that instrument, you know? I mean yeah. he didn't know what to do with it, but he's like and when it came to the record, he's like, Yeah, do whatever you want, you know, go crazy, you know. He loves that shit. It's like we've never done anything like that. Let's do he it. He knows what's up. Yeah, yeah. And I, he's listens you know, he's <clears throat> listens to all kinds of different stuff. I mean he's he's definitely like you know, f- focus on like rock in the very large spectrum of what that means. But, yeah. but he, man, he knows his shit. He, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, so are you doing another trio convulsant record? That's the, so the, the, yeah, we've talked about for the fifth thing, which is the thing I'm trying to write for most now is trio convulsant with a chamber ensemble. So, it's, a chamber ensemble. It's going to be like, a string quartet. It, originally, it was going to be a string quartet. And actually, I wrote a whole book of music. I wrote like an hour's worth of music. And we did it at the Stone a few years ago. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Um, and um, it was actually kind of a version of the secret quartet, I think. Um, and um, Or was it? No, I think it was a secret quartet um, with my trio. And I just wasn't um, super happy with what I wrote. You know, even though I spent like a year writing it and we rehearsed the shit out. Well, no, we didn't. Re- we had one rehearsal. So, but it was, you know, a lot of it was hard. Um, I just wasn't super happy with what I came. I think I approached it in a way that I didn't ultimately didn't like. Which what, I didn't, what, what, what was the approach that you didn't like? Well, I think, I think it was a little too convoluted. And also I was kind of thinking about it in terms of um, like a septet like a chamber septet instead of trio convulsant with strings. I was kind of did that on purpose, but I think that was the wrong approach. I think it should be, I think it, the group is about the trio mm-hmm. and, and the, the ensemble is a, 
is a way to embellish it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a million ways that I could so many yeah. embellish it. But I also decided I'm, I want to instead of four strings, I want to have two strings and two winds. So I think it's going to be um, like probably clarinet, maybe mostly bass clarinet, viola, um, uh, cello, and flute. It's an amazing instrumentation. So yeah, and then with electric guitar, and you know, as long as I can, you know keep chess from like bashing everyone's heads in. <laughs> no, he's a very sensitive guy. He'll <laughs> he'll be the least of my. Worries. But would you approach that recording as a live recording? You would have all the people in the studio at the same time. Yeah, I think I yeah. would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd probably have to do some isolation, but um, but yeah, it would be like perform, you know, tunes. Um, huh. I mean, my original idea for this whole concept was the um, the Paul Desmond record, uh, Desmond Blue. Yeah. It's funny we talk about Pacific Blue, now we're talking about Desmond <laughs> Blue. The first song, I mean, it's like, it's Paul Desmond and with Jim Hall and an orchestra. Yeah. And I love that record, especially the first tune, which is My Funny Valentine. It's yeah. incredible. And um, that was kind of like, man, I want to do something like that, but with, you know, like Mary's the feature and it's true, convulsant, you know. So that's kind of what I, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking more now about like actually just writing a tune and then orchestrating it for that group, you know? Yeah. And, but I have to be careful with, you know, the whole like power chord heavy thing with trio convulsion. I have to be careful with in terms of orchestration, that's orchestration that, you yeah. know, it's like that versus flute. I don't know how well that's going to work, but you know, I, I have to select when and where I want. Well, that's kind of an interesting challenge because that, could exist very easily in one venue where it would be a nightmare in another. Yeah. If yeah. you did that at um like Webster Hall, uh-huh. you could make it happen quite easily with like monitors uh-huh. and and mics on the the you know, like but uh-huh. if you have to do it at like, you know, fucking Barbez, right. It'd be a nightmare. Right, right. Yeah. It's like where do we where can we put the pla- plexiglass sheet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Anyone who doesn't like People, I know a lot of people that talk shit about jazz records with strings. Mm-hmm. Anyone not down with those records? Oh man, can get out of my life. Yeah, forever right, and right. Stay oh, gone. They're, they're incredible. There's yeah. so many good ones. You know, so many good ones. West and, Montgomery and oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. There's, yeah, there's a ton of great ones. There's, I mean, there's I a love re- that shit. Yeah, it's so fucking. I mean, good. hello, Charlie Parker. That's like classic. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, and it gets better. Like. That music is aging, but like more specifically, I'm aging, and it gets better with age. <laughs> right, totally, totally. I agree, man. My mom has a great jazz collection vinyl that she bought when she was in high school in the in the Jesus, like in the forty, you know, forties and fifties, you know, when she was in school. And um, yeah, I guess I guess technically fifties mostly. Yeah. And I mean, it's not a huge collection. She's probably got like a couple hundred records, but you know, first, first pressings, a lot of Errol Gardner, uh, you know, Ahmad Jamal. I mean, she's got, you know, Miles Davis stuff, Jerry Mulligan, um, uh, um, Dave Brubeck, uh, Billy holiday, Nancy Wilson. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And every time, you know, I mean, that record collection has been sitting there on the same shelf for over 50 years. I know that for Does she fact. listen to them or they're just sitting there? She, I think she still does sometimes. Yeah. yeah. My parents have a pool table out in that room and they, sometimes they, they put on, I mean, when I'm there, I, that's one of the first places you're I the go. You're the selector. You're just... I, I go there and I, 
and the point is I'm like always uh, still after all these years I'm still finding stuff that I'm like oh my like god it? you have this record with this guy on it <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah yeah and I put that on you know and then and there's a couple you know like um I mean I really got into the Duke Ellington's Mood Indigo there because that I mean that record is so good I'm only like, now really exploring the world of Duke that's now that you're how old are you you're Thir- oh, 39 next yeah, month yeah 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 so that'll is that when that happens yeah <laughs> Shit, that's like right. already happened. <laughs> like, my fundamentals are so fucked up. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story that relates to Oh, mine to you. too. Mine too. I'm totally backwards, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I know that I'm getting older. Like, I'm like, all the shit that I listen to in terms of like jazz specifically. Yeah. It's fucking like West Coast shit from the 50s right, right. that like sounds great right. with a meal. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh, this is very relaxing. Yes. No, I remember this day. I'll never fucking forget this, man. I used to go to this record store. Um, and it was when the first Phantomas record came out. Uh-huh. And I knew the dude that owned the store. And he was like, you know, like all record store dudes. He was a fucking wise ass and an <laughs> asshole. Right. And like couldn't wait to like tell you what a fucking douche you were. Yeah. But I went in and I was like, I was like, oh, fucking hell. I was buying the new Phantomas. He's like, man. This was in New York? No, this was in Athens, Georgia. I was like. Uh, oh, okay. And he was like, do you know Naked City? And, was uh, this uh low yo yo stuff? Yes. Yeah, Todd. Totally. And uh <laughs> and I was like, No, what's that? And he's like, You can't listen to that until you've listened to this. And uh <laughs> and so I started like checking it out and then the conversation kept going. He's like, Well, you can't listen to Nick and City until you've listened to Arnett Coleman. Right. And at the end of like the end of our fucking back and forth, I left the store with a Gregorian chant record. <laughs> <laughs> The sound of the recording of cavemen beating each other up. Yeah. No, but with an Ornette Coleman record. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, I came in to buy a fucking metal record. <laughs> That's great. Thanks to that fucking dickhead. Like, I left. That's with... a great story. That's good. Yeah. You can't listen to this. And the... Yeah. I mean, my. I used to go. Um, well, up in Eureka, where I grew up, there, there was there was a couple record stores. Murder but... Mountain, bro. What's that? Murder Mountain. Murder Mountain, yeah. Well, there's no record stores there. I guarantee it. <laughs> I don't even know if there's a store there, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we used to go, we used to drive down to the Bay Area or to, uh, used to go to um, Santa Rosa. There was a record store there called The Last Record Store. Uh-huh. And that's where I bought, um, that's probably where I bought my, I think that's where I bought Spy vs. Spy. Which, right, uh, cassette, Zorn, which, my, Yeah, which is my first Zorn record, I think. And um, But I think, you know, some of my first jazz records, well, my first... My first Miles Davis record was Nefertiti, which is in still still to this day. I'm like, is that even jazz? Like, right. it's a weird record, it's super a fucked weird up record. Yeah, and I love it. And um and like like a uh, Anthony Braxton 1978 quartets or something like right. You know, I'm not even sure why how I knew it about Anthony Braxton at that age, but those were some of my first jazz records. And now I'm going back and listening to my mom's records, you know? Yeah. So I, I get that trajectory. You know? But the whole, sp- I, I think it's really common for a lot of people like us that uh-huh. grew up listening to fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and your entry points kind of end up being a little bit weird. Right. And things get lost along the way. Like I've never had an appreciation for Frank Zappa. Uh-huh. And like, uh-huh. I feel guilty saying that. Uh-huh. And I feel like there's people that would be really upset with me for saying uh-huh. that. It just never clicked with me. Right. Well, that's funny. Zappa never, totally clicked with me either i mean i had friends in high school that were older than me like like a couple of years older who were super into zappa yeah that's when i first heard about him and um you know i've checked out stuff over the years i have some records you know and but it, it's not and i actually i love um 
have you ever seen Baby Snakes, the movie? No. It's great. Actually, that should, that's a good, I think that's a good entry point to Zappa. It's, it's, he made the movie or he did the soundtrack? Well, it's like all, no, it's all, it's like a documentary. Uh-huh. With, it's live footage of his band and all this crazy claymation stuff with this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really, it's great. I think it's, it's, you know, you get like, even if you're not into the music and also seeing him work live and it's, you know, Bozio's playing drums and there, yeah. it's, it's kind of a crazy, but I mean, but blind spots are a source of guilt, <laughs> primarily guilt. Yeah. And I, like Ellington has been a huge blind spot for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And he's like the dude. He's right. literally the Duke. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I came late to him, too. And I, and then, actually, I went through a phase, and I have, you know, bought a bunch of vinyl, and all those sweets and stuff are really great, the Far East yeah. Suite and all that stuff. And and I still haven't given it the amount of time that it deserves, you know. Um, but, um, I mean, we did, a, on the Trio Convulsion record, I did a Ellington tune right. from, from one of those suites, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, like, for people like us that, enjoy jazz music the biographical aspect of it is fucking crucial uh-huh you know what i mean uh-huh like, like where stuff came from what where it came from but also just like who these people were there's this i yeah. found this a record um i mean thanks to the world of digital music you know streaming on itunes right this duo record from the 80s of fucking paul blay and chet baker wow it's like the greatest thing i've ever heard wow chet sounds terrible Really? Like his chops are just not oh, there. Yeah. Right, you know, he's right. a fucking junkie. Right, he's a strung out junkie. Right. Does he sing at all? He sings a little bit. Uh-huh. He sings a little bit. Um, but his trumpet playing, he's just like clinging. Yeah, just Ugh. clinging to like what he can still make the thing do, and it's God. so musical. Right. It's. I mean, it's heartbreakingly musical. Right. Right. You know, and you hear Paul Blay like playing right. with him. Right. Sort of like. Yeah. You know, not trying to like fucking push him out of the way. Yeah. Oh God. And there's just no way that. I would, I, I don't think I would enjoy that music as much if I didn't fully understand what the trajectory in life of Chet Baker was. Right, right. You know? And like how, what that moment might have been like for him, you know, or, yeah. you know, and how he got there and how he got to that state and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's on some like rinky dink fucking record label. It's, you know, right. he literally, the fall from grace was incredibly dramatic. Right, right. <laughs> the fall from grace, so to speak. Oh, fine. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but did he fall off like a fucking second story window or something? Like, something, something like, yeah, in Amsterdam. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't like, he didn't like leap from like the Eiffel Tower or something. I don't, I don't know, but no. But it wasn't that high. I mean, yeah, who knows? I guess it was enough to break his neck, so. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Or whatever it did. I don't even know. I don't know the details. Yeah. That's one of the dudes to me. He's like actually one of the main dudes to me. Uh-huh, yeah. It, man, those records of him singing are great. Like, incredible his singing is also that kind of beautiful voice not super um you know not like a trained no not virtuosic not virtuosic but like just so i mean there's so much soul it's clearly incredible. an appreciation of the poetry that was the lyrics yeah you know and you yeah. listen to him play or even like but that's the same thing with his trumpet playing uh-huh it's so fucking like uh-huh just janky and like not <laughs> yeah. not fluid you know yeah, it's yeah. like it's grindy and right. you hear him play something like like autumn in new york uh-huh. And to me, it's like that's, you know, aside from Billy, that's like the definitive uh-huh. performance of that fucking uh-huh, piece. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Like it's <laughs> really wistful. Yeah. I don't that's know, cool. Dude. Yeah, we're getting old, man. We're liking that, is that janky what it is? jazz stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I mean I guess that's what it is, right? Maybe. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, you know, I still appreciate um, metal, you know, but I don't like have I don't think I have the stamina anymore to like put it on and like, you know, I mean, it, like sonically, it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's face it. It's it is very limited. um uh, uh, frequency range. Yeah, and dynamic you know, range. And, and dynamic range. So it's kind of like rubbing your face against cement, you know, it, just constantly for a certain period of time, which when you're in high school, that's what you want. That's what you need. You need to be rubbing on stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be, you know. As like one should, yeah. Yeah, you know, you're that age. You're like, you want to be, you got energy, you're jumping around, you want like, oh, you got aggression, you know. And um, I mean, that's when I was, list, you know, listening to metal in the 80s it was every few months it was like what's faster than the last thing that was how we gauged music it was like oh man this is this is faster than the last band oh wow okay now there's you know ride the lightning or um yeah uh ride the lightning with uh fight fire with fire yeah i'm like you hear how fast those bass drums are you know and then rain and blood came out I'm like oh that's well, done you by metallic yeah and then but i wonder like how crucial that shit is to like tempering young men like, do, do, does, like, the Christian right understand that if you start listening to, like, aggro metal when you're 14, like, by age 25, you might be kind of, like... Right, right. <laughs> like well, a no, rusted I, piece of meat? I think they, I think they, um, think the opposite, that it's going to turn you into a serial killer or something. That's which... so funny. That actually, I don't know, do people today know that that was, like, a thing? Like, that if you listen to metal as a teenager in, like, the 80s and 90s, there was the implication that, like, you were engaging with the dark arts, <laughs> that you were, like, you might actually like, go out and kill well, children. Well, yeah, because there were the whole, there were, like, these people claiming that there were backwards messages. You Judas know, Priest and, and all that shit. Exactly. Yeah. The guy who, like, uh, yeah, what was the Judas Priest thing? Didn't somebody so, kill themselves based on... Because the record told them to. Yeah, because the record told them to. I mean, obviously, if uh, those kind of messages in the records could influence you if you've already got that there you know they're gonna be like you know if those voices are s strong in your head and then you hear a record say it you know suicide's a solution then you're like oh yeah do you know Ozzy's right about double grooving on vinyl records yeah 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 your old bandmate got me with that one uh-huh I bought a faxed head seven inch uh-huh when I was in high school put it on right listen to it like two or three times right and then you put it on again and this voice came on <laughs> and this voice said to me if you do not destroy this record and purchase another you will perish and i was like wait what the fuck that's great and then the music plays a little bit more and then the voice comes back and wow. it says it says it is too late you're gonna die <laughs> and uh that's hilarious I, I, start, I didn't know about that i started the record over and it didn't happen again right and you're like am i crazy yeah and i listened i sat there i listened to the record like fucking 10 times until it happened again that's amazing and i never understood yeah i, I, I could and then i asked trey when i finally like when yeah. i got to know trey i was like dude why did you put out a record when i was in high school that threatened to kill me right <laughs> well that's the whole basis of faxed head that they were uh, a suicide pack that all right. tried to blow their heads off and then but survived so they all had to have something um uh attached to them you know one, <laughs> one guy was a neck one guy was a plaid thing i don't know what i, I have but, to feel like if i was a metal musician i wouldn't make records that didn't have those aspects uh yeah of like convincing your fans to kill themselves right <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's a on the vinyl version of disco volante there's a double groove really yeah um i think actually i can't remember i think it's there's because we the record was too long to put on two sides of vinyl so um well now I can't remember what it is. I think 
I feel like it might be the secret song. Uh huh. Like if you play the vinyl enough times, you'll you'll that song's actually on there, even though it's not listed. But like that song is kind of that in actuality. Yeah, like it, it's like a prank. It's like a prank in, with in an, existence. It's, it's like a it's like a four or five tiered joke. Yeah, that's so good about. Dude. Yeah, keeping a secret. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I, I, I look for that in everything. Like if there, it, I, I guess maybe it's like the social reject in me. Like if there aren't inside jokes, right? Like, I don't know how to exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, always good. Yeah, I mean, bands having a band is good for inside jokes. That's for sure. That's something it's good for. So yeah, <laughs> I think we did good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you, Trevor Dunn. <laughs> All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. That was me and Trevor Dunn, and uh, we had a good time. I hope you had a good time listening to that. He's a funny, funny dude, an amazing musician, and do yourselves a favor. Go get a copy of his new record, Nocturnes. It's out this Friday on Sodic, and, I mean, you can hear it behind me. This is intense and just spectacular music. Go get a copy. This Friday, Nocturnes, Zodic. And that's it. I hope you guys are all doing well. We'll be back next week with another one. Until then, uh, have a good week. All right. Bye.